the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. made it to Thursday, and that's a good thing. Uh, weather's going to be kind of squirrely today, to be honest with you. We're going to have some rain around. It's going to be occasional rain and thunderstorms. For instance, uh, right now, looking at uh, the color radar, uh, in the Hot Springs area, there's some pretty heavy thunderstorms moving into their area, and uh, it's coming from the uh, southwest, and it's uh, trending across the state going to the northeast as it normally does. And it puts us right in, you know, the target range that we're going to end up getting some uh, rain here in the next uh, couple of hours. I'm, I'm looking here and seeing what, the, what they're saying as far as timing goes. And, um, well, our timing says... No rain over the next, uh, like, six hours or so, saying thunderstorms at noon. But when I look at the color radar, it looks like uh, we've got stuff coming that's going to be here before then, maybe within an hour or so. So, you know, take an umbrella with you to work today. That, that is my suggestion. You're going to need it. It's going to be wet at times today, and you don't want to be outside uh, when the the clouds open up and start dropping bucket loads down because the uh, uh, they're saying that the chance of rain right now is about 70% during today with a half of inch of rain being projected uh, for our area. That drops off to about 40% tonight with only uh, like uh, four-tenths of a you know of uh, rain so um, it looks like the rain will be moving out of the area as of uh, late uh, today and then gets you into the, the weekend is looking beautiful our uh, friday and saturday and sunday is looking really good with clouds and sun and highs in the low 80s so uh, they're saying um, and i was really keeping my fingers crossed for sunday because my daughter yeah, ha- she's having her 40th birthday on Sunday and going to have a get-together at her house. And uh, right now uh, it's looking uh, sunny and uh, 81 degrees on uh, on Sunday. So it looks, looks great as far as the weekend is going. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Right now uh, here in Little Rock 63 and Cabot 62, Conway's at 63, as is Pine Bluff. Hot Springs is at 61. And uh, they may be getting some rain right now, according to my color radar. 
they got either rain falling or they uh, have rain moving over them right now. They are uh, they were partly cloudy when I looked at them about 20 minutes ago, but now they're fully uh, uh, cloudy, which means that the storm clouds are over top of them. Well, I don't know if it started raining there yet or not. Here in Cabot, 62 degrees. In uh, Dave Ellswick's dining room where the show is taking place today, uh, it's 75, just so you know. That's what I, I keep my temperature in my home about 73 to 75 but I keep the humidity down at about 45%. Now, that, I guess that's, uh, that's pro-COVID-19 uh, uh, weather, but uh, it's going to die outside before it gets in my house. Okay, so anyway, J.R. Davis is, is with us today. How you doing, brother? Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a fast week this week. It has gone quickly. It has done that. I'm happy with that. Uh, and uh, I think that has to do with we've had a lot of good news this week. I mean, the stock market is up right now. It's pressing towards 26,000, uh, JR. Do you realize that not more than about three and a half months ago, it was at 18,000? But now that uh, the country is looking like it's slowly shaking off this hangover we got and reopening, I mean, yesterday and today we're getting information about uh, Disney World reopening, SeaWorld reopening. Uh, Already Universal Studios are talking about that they're reopening here in June. Uh, Disney looks in July. Cruise line stocks are going through the ceiling now, and the airlines are starting to recover, and they're getting some more flyers. I heard from the TSA uh, yesterday. I got a, a link that I hit, and it shows me how many flyers every day because I've been watching it. Yesterday, a little over 350,000. Now, that's really down there in the low numbers, but the bottom line is that's a whole lot more than what it was. People going out to eat. About a month ago, about a month ago, when you looked year to year, in other words, look for for 2020 versus 2019, the amount of people going to restaurants had fallen. Are you ready for this? Ninety nine point nine percent. Because restaurants were restaurants were closed. Now now they're reopening. And uh, the the numbers I saw yesterday is that uh, about year to year, it's about 85% lower. So uh, we gained uh, some, and getting that upward uh, trajectory is what's important. And uh, we're going to see more of these restaurants be allowed to open up, and uh, we'll see that number start ticking up. So there's a lot of good things out there for us to, uh, to talk about at this time. Jar, I mean, it's good. This is good, yeah. good stuff to talk about. I sent you a couple yeah. of stories last night for you to to read before bedtime. I hope they didn't give you nightmares. <laughs> well, to your point, there's a lot of news. There's there's good news. There's uh, bad news. There's a lot of in between. It's just been one of those weeks where it seems like a lot is happening. You know, on the COVID front, I, I love the fact that uh, you know things are starting to. Uh, you know, ratchet up a little bit uh, as far as, you know, returning to normal, at least in some, in some ways. 
Um, you know, and I think that we're going to have, who knows? I mean, nobody really knows what's going to happen in the fall. Um, you know, but what you've seen, Dave, from some of the universities, uh, even on the sports front uh, with SEC sports, uh, making a decision to bring athletes back on campus. Yep. You know, a lot of these decisions are being made with fall implications. So that should be good for, uh, you know, uh, a lot of some of the concern around what's going to happen in the fall and are we going to have college football season? Because I know that's what really people care about, Dave. Nothing else is whether or not we're going to have college football season. <laughs> um, I want to know if we're going to still have some baseball. Come on. I think you're going to get your baseball. Uh, I, you see the NHL is basically saying we're just going straight into the playoffs with 24 yep. teams. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, so everybody's trying to find a way back, and I think that's what the most important thing is. Uh, the resurgence, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen. Most of that information is just based on sort of the flu pattern, um, and, and I think, you know, basically the Spanish flu of 1918. So there's some historical data. We just don't know. And I, and I mean this when I say we, the collective we, uh, you, me, you know, the top doctor in, in the world, you know, I mean, everybody, nobody truly knows what's going to happen in the fall. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to pick things back up, get to a good spot this summer and take that on into the fall. Um, but, but so far, good signs of that. We've got to be cautious in that approach. Yeah, and, and, and it's why the uh, uh, Wall Street is really starting to show – really uh, positive numbers each day. I mean, may not be growing uh, by nearly 600 points as it did, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, but they are showing uh, growth now. A couple hundred, and you know, yesterday, they're, they're uh, up 100, almost 200 today. So that's all good. And I know there's a lot of people say, Dave, you always talk about the stock market. Why do you talk about the stock market? Well, because 75% of Americans now are invested in the stock market. You got a 401k, you're in the stock market, folks. You're there. Mm-hmm. You're you're playing the you're playing the game right now uh, with business and trying to move business forward and you want to keep that in mind. Uh, and when you see the market go up, that's a good thing for your 401k. And right now we need consider, you know, uh, considerable uh, positive days in a row so we can start making up some of the money uh, that drained out of our 401ks over a few months. Uh, This is not going to be like 08 where everybody took a really big lick and then it stayed there for a long time. Uh, I don't believe that that's the way it's going to be. Did you hear the numbers yesterday? The, The people that predict what our growth will be in the third quarter. Did you happen to hear it? I was watching. Uh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, I was watching Fox uh, Business yesterday morning, and Stuart Varney uh, had Larry Kudlow on, and Larry Kudlow uh, said that the. Now this sounds sounds almost like it's out of science fiction. All right, I'm going to tell you that right now. Said that the growth in the third quarter in the United States, if everything stays the way it is moving now in a positive direction, 20%. 20%. Normally, you're talking two and a half, three and a half, four and a half percent. They're talking 20%. And it's it scared the bejeebies out of the Democrat Party because let me tell you what, if our, if our economy go, comes in at 20%, getting ready to go into an election... Biden doesn't have a chance, a snowball's chance in H-E double hockey sticks. 
I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I agree with you. I think that's exactly what Trump needs uh, to be successful in November. Uh, he's tied so much in everything that he does to the economy. So a strong yeah. economy, I think, is is very important uh, for his administration uh, and a second term in office. You know, I, I go back and forth. I, mean, I actually had a conversation uh, with family the other day just about. Uh, you know what I think is going to happen in November, and Dave, we got you know it's kind of a uh, uh, up and down. I think every time we talk, if something else happens, <laughs> but I yeah. said this early on that I thought this was Trump's opportunity to win or lose the election, which was through this uh, uh, pandemic, and and I think um, you know there's been a lot of ups and downs, but you know throughout Trump's presidency, but you know it's basically what will be remembered, what won't be remembered. I think right now. You know, there's a restless country that wants to return to business. Uh, you've got a president that's that's pushing for that. Um, and as you mentioned, if, if you can start the economy uh, and get it back on track, get people back to work, and go from a complete shutdown in the spring to business as usual, firing on all, on all cylinders by the end of the summer, uh, that's, that's a I mean, pretty tremendous turnaround in a short amount of time. Well, you you watch the uh, Fast and the Furious movies, haven't you? Uh, yeah, like half of them. What are they like? Okay. Eighteen. Yeah, there, yeah. There's there's gonna be number nine. I think is coming out. But here's, oh, wow. okay. here, here's the key. You watch those movies, and uh, you know Vin Diesel or some of the other guys that and, and ladies that have cars. They're in a real close race, right? And they're trying to get a little extra speed out of the car, and they flip up a little thing on top of their gear shift, and it's a button there, and they push it, and it ejects uh, yeah. uh, nitric oxide into the the fuel, and it's like uh, giving the car an extra hundred, two hundred horsepower. Well, that sounds like what they're saying is going to happen uh, with the economy, that once we've reopened, it's going to be like hitting that button on nox, uh, noxious oxide, and, and we're going to just take off. With that thought in mind, let's take a break. It's already 20 minutes after 6. J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group is with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. When we come back, we were hoping for the, suppose, the first uh, private industry space launch yesterday and the first launch in 10 years of American astronauts into outer space from the United States. It didn't get to happen. Uh, they had to scrub the mission because of uh, weather. They'll try again on Saturday, and we'll talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get your traffic and weather for you for the first time today. Let's do that right now, Heidi. All right, 624 on a Thursday morning, and uh, our special guest, as he is each Thursday, is uh, none other than J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group. And uh, we are talking about uh, what's going on in in politics and in the world, just in news. Uh, we started off by talking about uh, the country reopening. The, it looks like that the economy is starting to reignite. We've got spark. We've got gas. The engine is running. We're fine-tuning it a little bit. Uh, one last question for you on that subject, and that, and this is something I have been saying. I talked to... to uh, our uh, chairman of the Arkansas GOP. I've talked to 
other people in the GOP that are high up in in the uh, the uh, uh, stratosphere, a lot further away from the top than I am. We have Paris Denard on. We've had a lot of different people on, and that is this: Do you get the distinct feeling that a lot of the governors in the de- uh, Democratic states, and I think this is going to change over the next. A week. I don't think they can continue playing this game. But I do believe they've been holding back their their foot. They've been holding it on the brake to hold back the economy. Because they, they know, like everybody in the Democratic Party knows, as they got a big briefing about this just a few uh, weeks back, that if the economy takes off, they are going to be dead in the water. Do you think those governors are trying to keep their foot on the brake for that reason? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, to be fair, I think it's it's all been politicized at this point. I mean, I think you have Republican governors who know, uh, you know, what plays well for the Republicans is getting the economy back. Uh, you know, and you've got Democrats who know that what plays best for the Democrats is keeping things on hold. And, and so I think that's what you're seeing play out in real time. You know, states like Georgia and Florida who, who push the gas uh, to get things back open as quickly as possible. Um, and then you've got states like, you know, Michigan and, and California and, and New York for obvious reasons um, that are keeping, uh, you know, their, their foot on the brake. I mean, here's the situation, Dave. I and mean, we talked about this a little bit last week with the media. You know, this is, this is the absolute best time. Uh, if you own stock in a, in a media conglomerate, right? Because everybody's watching the news. All the, the eyeballs are on their TVs. Yeah. The ratings have never been higher for this long over a period of time. Uh, and for Democrats and for governors in general, all eyes are on the governors. How are they implementing things in their state? How are they bringing their states back online? Uh, you know, Governor Hutchinson, for example, has been on national media left and right with them asking about Arkansas and, and the reopening plans. Well, the Democrats get to go up there and have a platform that they haven't had and, and to talk about, you know, what they're doing right and complain about this administration and what they haven't received. And, and so, you know, if this thing goes away and you go back to business as usual, uh, they don't have that platform anymore. The economy does start to tick back up. Uh, and it does take away a very strong talking point uh, for the Democrats. So, I mean, you know, it, it's all politics on both sides of the aisle. But absolutely, I believe the Democrats realize that if the economy takes back off and people sort of go back to work uh, and this whole COVID deal just turns into a two month blip, uh, that's not helpful for them. Um, oh. You know, um, but keeping people at home and, and keeping people scared and it, it is helpful. It's plain well, simple. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you something that wasn't helpful to them, uh, and it came out late Tuesday, and that was the reporting from the CDC about how really dangerous was COVID nineteen. Did you hear those new numbers? Uh, a little bit. Okay, well, the big one that came out was fatalities. If you got the COVID-19 virus, what do you think? Remember, they were saying somewhere 4 to 6% of the people who got COVID-19 would die. They have readjusted those numbers as they have you know, learned more about the virus. 
and the CDC came out with new numbers Tuesday evening. Did you hear what those numbers were? Point, point zero three percent fatalities. Now, with that, that is on par, in fact, a little bit lower than the flu. That's incredible. Yeah, that's going to be the issue. Uh, and again, I think I feel like, you know, we kind of have a, uh, a a cyclical part of your show every week where we talk about the, the kind of the, you know, uh, the state of uh, people's minds right now. Well, and yeah, that's important I'm to talk you, about. If, well, no, absolutely. But I mean, just as far as COVID, every week yeah. it kind of changes, right? You know, you've got the first months it felt like people were kind of just in shock. Uh, what was actually happening? And you have a. The well, I got. I got to. I got to jump in because we're yep. we got we're coming up against news. Let's do the news and let's come back and pick this up where we're talking about. Let's Sounds talk good. about the mental state. Here's the news. All right, J.R. Davis, our guest. He's with us to the top of the hour. Let me tell you what's coming up today. I, I have not done that. At seven o five, Kelly Valos uh, from the American Conservative. She's the editor of that magazine. She'll join us, and we're going to talk about uh, how much liberty did we give up during COVID nineteen. Now, there's a lot of people who have been showing, uh, you know, getting out and protesting and things of that nature on some of these closures and, and the craziness that's been going on. But did we really lose some liberty? Kelly's going to talk about that. It's a half hour. I highly recommend that you listen to. At 835, Stan Voger is going to be with us, or Voger, and he's going to talk about voting by mail and how dangerous that really is and all the problems where they've tried to do it uh, that they've run into. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the first, the first thing that they say that's a, that's a lie, that it will increase the amount of people who participate in the electoral college well, it, or electoral system. If you just go to Oregon, Oregon, the amount of people taking part in their uh, elections has fallen every year for the last 15 years. And they've had vote by mail for a long, long time. So uh, that's not necessarily true. Same thing in Colorado. Didn't work out in Colorado the way they thought it would. I mean, if people don't want to vote, if they feel disenfranchised, uh, they're not going to vote if you if you just say, raise your hand and we can see you. I mean, I'm, I'm just make it as easy as you think you want to make it. All right, let's get back to J.R. Davis. We were talking, uh, J.R., at the break about the mental state of Americans and how it changes literally almost week by week. Uh, When COVID-19 showed up on the shores of America, we already knew there were other countries that were struggling with containing it. Uh, We were looking at stories about Italy and some other places, and uh, we heard about they were literally stacking bodies up We didn't know much about this virus. China made sure we didn't know much about this virus. And because of that and not knowing that much, uh, everybody went into a very strong defensive mode. Now, we're starting to break out of that, but some people just can't get out of the mental state that we're still at square one. So you were talking about that. So let me let you pick up on your thoughts. Yeah, I just think that, you know, it, it does change every week. I think the first month it was sort of shock 
that this, this last month has been sort of, you know, I think everyone thinks, hey, we can do this for, you know, a little bit of time. Uh, and now we're starting to see people get really antsy and want things back to normal. Yeah, that's what we saw Memorial Day was sort of the uh, – uh, the fuse there, uh, and the bomb went off, and you saw all these huge get-togethers and uh, parties, and talk about Lake of the Ozarks, even Lake Hamilton here in uh, Arkansas, and yeah. so there's just there's a lot of hey, I, I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. I, I think that uh, it's important that we get back to normal. We have to do it in a cautious way. Uh, you know, for me, I always think about my parents more than anything else. Is I want to be able to you know protect the people I love and. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not so much worried about myself or my wife or younger. And, uh, as I think the way things have played out, we feel, uh, okay about it, but we want to make sure the ones that we love are taken care of as well. So there's a lot of this. I think that's what we're dealing with right now as a, as a people, Dave is, you know, uh, we want to return to normal. We still don't know how, uh, strong this, uh, virus is. So we want to be careful and protect the ones we care about the most. Um, so we're, we're kind of fighting with ourselves right now. How, how quickly do we want to return to normal and how quickly can we return to normal uh, and do it in a safe way? But, I mean, I just think, you know, with the numbers coming out from the CDC, and look, regardless of whether those are true or not, you know, there's the left is saying that those numbers are being manipulated by the CDC and the Trump administration. You know, the right is saying that, hey, we told you all along this wasn't nearly as bad as, as everyone thought it was going to be. It's about the message. That's what is the most important thing at this point, Dave, uh, and you know this better than most. If the American people feel like these numbers are legitimate and this is no worse than the flu, there's going to be a lot of angry, angry people you better believe uh, it. that are saying, why in the world did you take my livelihood away? And some aren't going to get that back. Why in the world did you do this? Uh, for something that we literally deal with every single year. That's uh-huh. what's, that's what's going to be something we all need to pay attention to because that is going to be what reverberates into the fall. And I'm not sure who necessarily uh, benefits from that. I think there's just going to be a lot of very angry individuals uh, that feel like they were duped for 60 days in the spring that cost them a great deal. Well, what I said, and I'll stand by it, is that I don't blame people for what they did initially in that they they maybe they overreacted, but but better to overreact than underreact on something like that. And because of the way this was unleashed by the Chinese, nobody knew anything. I mean, the Chinese lied to us. The Chinese withheld information from us. Uh, and and we did the best that we could once we started getting a handle on the information and things of that nature. Now uh, we can make some really legitimate uh, decisions, and we're starting to see those decisions being made now. You know, when right. I, I, I've told my friends, and I'm, a lot of my friends are a lot younger than I am, a lot of my my average listener is 35 years old. That's 32 years younger than I am. Now, I would never ask them to put their lives on hold for me. All right. I can stay home. OK, I, I can stay home right now and I will stay home for a while until they probably get the vaccine going and, and, and I get my shot or whatever. But. I don't want America to be different 
because uh, people who are in my age bracket or older are more susceptible to this virus. I mean, I'm susceptible to the to the flu virus, but I get a flu shot. I'm susceptible to pneumonia, but I get a pneumonia shot, and I get a different pneumonia shot than a young person does. And then you've got uh, now this COVID-19, and something tells me when we can get shots for that, everybody's going to collectively let out a big sigh, except for the people who think that this is a Stephen King number, uh, you know, a, 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 a book called The Stand, and that some... Uh, global pandemic that has started is going to lead to millions upon millions of people dead. There's still people out there who believe that. And it's just not true. It's not going to happen. You know, grab hold of life and live your life. Don't live it in fear. Live it Live it with uh, some po- uh, positive uh, thought processes going on. But you're right. How people perceive is more important than what the actual facts are. That's always been the case. And you know that. Uh, Jr. Yep. We've we've watched it in politics. Uh, some story a breakout, and it really is nothing but a hill of beans. But people make it into Mount Everest. Yeah, perception is reality. That's uh, correct, and, uh, Dave. You know, I want to go on record saying exactly what you said. I don't blame anybody for what was initially done. Uh, I think things needed to be over the top uh, to protect the public at large, um, and and then it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with the parties. You know, now that we kind of are understanding a little bit more, I think there's still more to understand, uh, but there's some, some confidence there with the public that you're seeing the Republican states return more quickly to the economy, and you're having the Democratic states hold off on returning to normal as quickly. Uh, I, I do think if, if the numbers that are being reported from the CDC, if that's what take, it takes hold, and that's what sort of your independents believe and and it turns into that, what in the world did we do for 60 days? Uh, that is going to benefit Republicans over Democrats because you're going to see some of these states that just, you know, turn things around quite quickly. Uh, but, you know, to your point, you know, uh, we just have to be responsible. Uh, you got to be responsible for uh, yourself, number one. Yeah, don't go. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you feel if you if you're worried about it, stay home. Yeah, Talk to I employer. agree. Uh, but if you're not, you know. No one needs to, you know, keep you home. And so, I mean, it's nope. just, uh, just be careful, be smart, use common sense, and, and hopefully we can return things uh, to where they should be by at least midsummer. Well, uh, here's how I'll, I'll say it, uh, Jr. Once the restaurants get up to over 50% and you get almost full capacity, if I'm sitting at a, uh, a table and somebody comes in and – they're blowing their nose all the time, and they're sneezing, and they're hacking, and they're not covering their mouth and stuff. I'm going to say something. I mean, I should have said something a long time ago. They would have somebody in the men's restroom and, tell, and, 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 and remind people, you shouldn't have to, to wash their hands before they go back outside. <laughs> you know, That's just right. crazy. I mean, come on, folks. This is just common sense stuff. You know, you, you wash your hands. Um, I've heard that the airplanes, the airline industry, I think it wasn't Southwest. It was it was maybe it was a, a United. Have you heard that they're thinking about putting ultraviolet lights in all of their planes? And then in between flights, when they stop, 
they're going to have everybody get off for the minute that they got to get off before everybody rushes back on again. Turn on the ultraviolet lights because it only takes about 20 seconds, 30 seconds, and it will kill every germ that's inside that plane, basically. So it's going to be interesting to see when that that kind of stuff starts happening. I think we talked about this one time. I thought that one of the great, uh, you know, for entrepreneurs is a way of offering to businesses a way of sanitizing their business during non-business hours. And I still think that's going to be a big, big, big thing. Whoever can come up with the really great way of doing it. I mean, that, that whole ultraviolet light, putting that in just big lights in restaurants, and when everybody has gone home and it's shut down and you turn them on for maybe, you know, five, ten minutes and it kills everything that's in that uh, uh, facility, what a boon that could be. I mean, seriously. Really? That gets rid yeah. of everything. All right. Uh, we got to take another break, believe it or not. Man, we're flying through, and we haven't even gotten past basically the first subject that we had Lockdown. I want to come back and talk to you a little bit about SpaceX. I want to. You're not the age that I am. In fact, you're much younger than I am. And it. I want to see how you feel about this whole, uh, uh, you know, launch that's coming up now on Saturday versus someone like me. We'll talk about it when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis, our special guest from over at the Gilmore Group. We continue our dis- uh, discussion when we return from your traffic and weather, which is now. Great conversation this morning uh, uh, with, and, and normally every Thursday we have great conversation with J.R. Davis and myself. J.R. used to be the uh, communications director for the governor. And uh, that's how we got to know each other. He's come on weekly to talk about what the governor was doing here in the state of uh, Arkansas. And we got to be good friends. And then Jr. decided it was time for him to, you know, spread his wings a little bit and run and not just walk. And he moved over to the Gilmore Group. And uh, we've kept this going. And I'm glad that we have. And I want to talk to you now, Jr. about uh, SpaceX. I'm 67. How old are you, Jr.? Uh, 34. 34. Okay. A lot younger. A lot younger than I am. And you might view this sending two astronauts up on a rocket, this time on a privately owned company's rocket, into outer space to the International Space Station as, uh, you know, so what? I mean... Look, you've you've got all kinds of technology that's going on around you that you take for granted that I stand back and look at and go, wow, look at how far we have come in this nation. And uh, for young people who don't think they live in the greatest nation on Earth, you are so, so uh, disillusional. You're, you're delusional on that. You really are, because you do live in a great, great time. It's a wonderful time to be alive with with that thought process how i mean did you get really excited when you heard that elon musk was was going to launch these guys into space uh this week well i just think elon musk is you know one of the uh, sort of beautiful minds uh, of this generation as far as just the way he thinks brilliant and, and you know yeah and just you know it, it's a game he's a game-changing mind and when you say that you know you go back and you look at um uh, 
obviously the Wright brothers and Henry Ford and, you know, the things that happen from people who are bold and have a vision and aren't worried about what people say. Uh, and I think that's exactly what Elon Musk is. So I think just to him alone, uh, it, it's exciting when he's leading something like this. Um, but yeah, just in general, David kind of talked during the break. Uh, you have a very unique perspective, you know, having grown up and, and seeing all these huge, you know, breakthroughs and, um, you know, the, the highs and the lows oh, yeah. uh, of going to space. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't have that, uh, that background, but, you know, look, anytime you're sending something into space, you get to watch it go up there. It's pretty exciting. Uh, so it's, so I think from a, a bunch of different, uh, fronts, uh, it's a very exciting, uh, day or should be for the nation and the world really. Cause we're talking about a private, uh, sector company sending something to space. And when you, uh-huh. when you deal with the private sector, you know, no pun intended here, but the sky's the limit, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. and so, uh, so it's fun to see what that innovation looks like, uh, what will come from this. Um, and we may be looking back on Saturday, Dave, and, you know, 20 years or so and say, man, this was, uh, this was a game changer. Yeah. When you guys are sitting up, when they've got, uh, you know, uh, 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 a base on the moon and business is on the moon and they're making ball bearings that are perfectly spherical, that makes uh, engines run without any friction and the new the new technologies that come out of all of that, yeah, you're going to look back on it like, wow, wow, yeah. amazing, absolutely amazing. And the thing that really blew me away, number one, riding out to the launch pad in a Tesla was pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> watching <laughs> those guys walk and getting into the capsule and those spacesuits, they looked like they came right out of uh, – they they went they raided the costume cabinet for 2001 a space odyssey they really did i thought yeah. man that's just it looks like 2001 and we're seeing science fiction become science fact again and that it, it excites me and about elon musk i was saying this yesterday about him he's a strange bird i mean he really right. really is i mean nobody names their kid and i can't even pronounce the name of his kid uh, and, and add a Roman numeral 12 to it. But uh, you got a child, and you do that, and you're always looking outside the box and never from inside the box. But that's the way all great inventors and great initiators of, of things to happen are. I mean, look at Howard Hughes. The guy was a nut job for the most part. Uh Thomas Edison wasn't your average dude. I'm just telling you, neither was uh, Tesla. All of those people were different, and they took us to a different plane uh, as far as humanity went. And I think, uh, you know, Elon Musk is our uh, version of that right now. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, I got to, I got to hear uh, Elon Musk speak uh, uh, in person, and oh, really? <laughs> the, the guy is—you're uh, exactly right. He's a strange bird, but man, he knows his stuff. And it, the day he spoke, he was basically warning everyone about artificial intelligence uh, and what that could mean uh, for the Skynet. future of the world. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was just, but the guy is on a different level. He's just, you know, what he worries about, nobody else does, and, and what we worry about, he doesn't. And 
So, look, you know, the only complaint I have is with the spacesuits, Dave. You know, you figure that with all this incredible uh, technology, they'd, they'd have something out of, you know, uh, some, like, Power Ranger get-up or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> A little bit more color than black and yeah. white. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that. It, they would look cooler with some with more color. But hey, I don't know if you know, baby boomers. Think about it for a moment. When these guys are walking to the to the uh, the capsule, they're not carrying a suitcase next to them. They can bend down and kind of hunker down and have a picture taken. You can't do that even today in a NASA spacesuit. It's just amazing. Uh, uh, the differences between one and the other. And you look at the inside of that capsule, and to say that it's different than what we've seen before is an understatement. All those flat screens, the guys are going to be sitting there, got more room to move around. They can reach up and just touch the screen and move. It's it's amazing. I'm, I'm all fired up to watch them uh, and, and, and what they can use in case something goes wrong and abort. I mean, they've got regular rocket engines, small ones, mounted inside and on the sides of the of the capsule. It's incredible. It really is. I, I'm really amazed by what they've done, and I'm looking forward now to Saturday. I was really kind of bummed out for about an hour after they had to scrub the mission. I just thought to myself, well, you got to get used to the space program again. Because, man, they scratched right. a lot of missions because of, of bad weather or uh, 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 some kind of... Uh, of a small, you know, switch going bad. Hey, we're out of time, Jr. We only got to two subjects, and I think I had eight that I wanted to talk on. Uh, we'll pick those up next week because they'll still be viable, especially the the topic of Hong Kong and China. That's going to have some deep. Yep. It's going to have a lot of deep resonating uh, across the world in politics. You have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. It's going to be a beautiful one. Going to be. Blue skies, lots of sunshine, and in the low to mid-80s. Can't ask for much than that, so make sure you go out and barbecue something, okay? (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Dave. All right. Talk to you later. J.R. Davis here on the Dave Ellswick Show from the Gilmore Group. I'll be back with our special guest from the American Conservative. The editor, Kelly Vallis, is going to join us. Papers, please. Will that become a phrase that we have to worry about here in the United States? I'll explain that to you when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. Party time here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 7 o'clock hour. We'll have your traffic and weather for you as this hour goes on. But we're starting off with a very special guest. Kelly uh, Vallis is going to join us. She's editor of the American Conservative. And I go to uh, watching Brian Lamb's uh, uh, network that he started to see her interviews at times. And because I don't think she's used enough by... Uh, Fox, CNN, and the others. She's got a lot of great things to say and a lot of great ideas. Uh, but I, I don't think that 
I don't think people wrap their arms around Drew Kelly like they have other people. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's because you're like I am. You know, you call it like it is. You say what you think uh, the truth is from the facts that you've been presented. You don't do it by, you know, I just feel this way. You say, hey, here's here's what's happening. Here's what the Constitution says, damn it. Here's what the Bill of Rights say. Why are we doing things differently than that? And and you're an originalist as well, are you not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I count myself as one. And, and thank you for all those kind words. It's a nice way to, to, to start the morning. <laughs> I'm going to call you every morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really good. Kelly, you do a good job. You're very, you're articulate. You're clear. You know, it's, it's, I've met a lot of people who are very, very smart that have very, very good ideas, but they can't articulate them well. You do. And that's really good for a writer because a lot of writers, when you bring them on the radio, uh, you know, I got to tell them shut up because they want to answer a question in 20 minutes instead of in, uh, you know, a couple of minutes. And you can you can break down to the essence of the subject and, and answer it. So you've written articles about how dangerous it is uh, in the country we live in now that people were so willingly and easily talked into giving up rights. And I said this on the air as well. I mean, I understand at the very beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Uh, there was some, This was something that uh, the Chinese held back information and things of that nature. And that's not to say we haven't done the same here in this country. We have done that before. But the bottom line is we thought this was really really deadly. We thought COVID-19 was going to kill 4 to 6% of the people that became infected. That would have been multiple millions of people in the United States dead. Uh, And now the CDC came out Tuesday and said, if you get, uh, you know, COVID-19, your chances of fatality is 0.03. That's about what it is for the flu. Uh, So bottom line is now, uh, you know, everybody get with the program, We've got some real facts out there that we can deal with. So uh, do you blame Americans for giving, saying, you know, we'll let the government do what they need to do here at the beginning. But after that, uh, we want it to stop. But I still am kind of concerned that we did it so easily. Yeah. And what I'm concerned about is that there are... um factions or or powers, whatever you want to call it in this country, that attempt to seize the moment and apply Mm -hmm. additional layers of the sort of nanny state on our country every time a a crisis happens of this enormity. And it is a major crisis. We have a, it's a public health crisis. We've identified that. And it's, 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 it's massively different from 9-11, 9-11, for example, but you can see some of the similarities in how certain authoritarian politicians or authoritarian leanings, you know, with the, the impulses of an authoritarian come to the fore during these moments. And their first instinct is to pass new laws, to restrict our behavior, to restrict our mobility, and we saw that in 9-11 uh, with the TSA. 
uh-huh. and uh, the 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 massive um, gymnastics that we had to go through just to, to get on a plane. Um, they're doing the same thing. You you know you've mentioned Governor Whitmer um, applying all sorts of restrictions that really don't make any sense for the short or long term. Like why can't you go and buy seeds at the local Walmart? Yeah. Um, and then and then find ways. They'll find ways to continue those nanny state uh, restrictions beyond the crisis itself. And you see that you see that at the TSA today. Uh, we we do the stick them up and we take off our shoes and um, we had one shoe bomber and he wasn't even successful and uh, but we still take off our shoes at m- many of America's airports and nobody questions why anymore because these these things have a way of sticking around when the crisis is over and I think that you're you're articulating the the concern that um, we will continue to lead restricted lives even when there there's no more threat of a serious outbreak. Yeah, I and tell you. I, I think that's what we got to watch out for. I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. You know, you got to take your shoes off unless you're willing to pay a few extra dollars to the TSA, oh, and yeah. and they'll they'll allow you allow you to leave your shoes on, and you can even leave your belt on. I mean. Uh, if people can't see the, re, you know, the the stupidity in that, uh, you got a real problem there. I mean, you you really do. Or if you got a pen knife, oh come on, I couldn't hurt yeah. anybody badly with a pen knife if I a pen knife if I wanted to. But uh, we we have given we've given up a lot. I mean, I'm 67, uh, Kelly, and I look at my my uh, the country I live in now, and. There's about a third of the stuff that I used to do, and nobody said anything. Now uh, they've got rules, regulations, and all kinds of, uh, you know, you got to go in and get a special kind of uh, form uh, to be able to do them. It's, it's insane. Right. It really is. It's insane, and it's scary, and people are right to get out and, and, I believe, protest in front of their state capitals and say, enough is enough. Stop this. I have, I have inalienable rights. Leave me alone. Yeah. And, and, you know, for their part, I think some of these governors are listening because we, I'm in Northern Virginia, and at the start of this thing, June 10th was the, the, the deadline day for lifting the shelter in place. Right. And last week, the rest of Virginia opened up phase one, and that's, what, two two weeks or so before the June 10th deadline. And now I just found out that the rest of Virginia, including myself, Northern Virginia, is going to open up uh, tomorrow. Now, Great. Now, not meaning phase one, but I yeah. think I think there's the, the real pressure on these governors, Democrats or otherwise, to start opening up. And um, so they say that they've met whatever guidelines the White House has set out. I mean, I haven't seen the numbers, but I just think I think the protests are working. I think 40 million people out of jobs. These jobs reports, you know, uh, relentlessly every Thursday, just hammer home that we got to we got to get people back to work. Um because who knows what it's going to look like when it does start opening up, which restaurants, which shops, which small businesses are going to actually be able to open up, and we're going to really see the carnage. Yep. Um, and I don't think it's going to be pretty, uh, but I, I feel like I think, I, I think that the, 
people have been heard. Well, I'll tell you what. I, up. I went out to a restaurant last Thursday. We we here in Arkansas have been opening for the last couple of weeks. And I went to them, and they can't be over a third uh, full. And it was the most surreal experience. Oh yeah, I, I've ever I've ever I've ever done. I mean, I was sitting at a table with a buddy of mine. We decided to get together, have lunch together, and, and see each other because we haven't since they closed everything down. And uh, we're sitting there talking, and I just started looking around. I said, "Are you are you noticing this? How weird this is?" The nearest yeah. table to me was about 14 feet away (laughs) it was weird yeah i thought i hadn't bathed or something and i was assaulting somebody but the the thing was it was really really strange it just was strange i I can't even explain the feeling uh that i had then and but there was a feeling of wow this is not right (laughs) i think you're going to see an initial you know, people are going to be—they're uh, going to be eager to get out and do something, go to their local restaurant or bar or whatever. Um, but there's going to be a, a, a brief period of, of that—that that surreal feeling, uh, people feeling a little uncomfortable, a little trepidatious about you know mingling closely with other people. Because let's face it—you spent the last three months at home being told that any contact with other human beings might be fatal. <laughs> so yeah. instead of the yard going to church, you know, my church just announced, you know, um, new guidelines for opening up. But uh, I probably won't get in the door because I'm always late for church. And <laughs> <laughs> they're probably going to do some like the first 50 people can come in and the rest of you, sorry, live stream at home. I gotcha. So, I, I've been doing that for several weeks now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, live streaming uh, on YouTube and uh, watching, and uh, we got a big church, and I mean, typically a daily Sunday service. We have couples, three services on any given Sunday, and there's anywhere from 875 to a little over 900 people sitting in that wow. uh, sanctuary. So, uh, you know, I'm waiting for phase two here in Arkansas. That should happen here so- soon. I got to get a break in here, uh, uh, Kelly. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, what can we expect in the future? Is there enough of a remnant of real liberty-loving Americans to keep the government really under control. Let's talk about that when we return. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Kelly Vallis is our guest. She's the editor of the American Conservative. If you've never read their magazine, you need to. Uh, I'm sure. What's your uh, What's your all's website, uh, Kelly? Sure. It's just www.theamericanconservative.com. Yeah, great, uh, great writing there, great articles to read, and uh, very uh, interesting material that you'll get that you won't get in other areas, I'll just tell you. All right, it's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay along with me. I want to talk about PI Roofing and how they've been uh, taking care of everybody during this pandemic time with all of the social distancing and everything else. Here's how Joel Johnson, the owner, feels. He wants you not to have to worry about your roof. If you got a leak and you're seeing discoloration on your ceiling in your house and you know that there's a problem or you walked outside, you know, you got really, uh, really courageous and you went outside and you looked up at your roof and you saw that you're missing some shingles because of some of the straight line winds that we've had in some of the thunderstorms we've had over the last few weeks. Uh, you can just call them 
at 707-3551, 707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com. Tell them what the problem is. They'll come out. They'll get on your roof. They won't knock on your door. They're going to get up on your roof. They're going to inspect it, figure out what the problem is, and then by phone or by uh, Internet, they're going to get back in touch with you, and you guys will map out with them what you want to do. They'll take care of everything to do with your insurance, uh, and uh, you'll get uh, your roof fixed. Now, that's the way to do it. Uh, so that you you keep all the the rules that you want to keep right now uh, because of COVID-19. Uh, so Joel wants you to know the last thing he wants you to do is have to worry about your roof when maybe you're worrying about where's your next paycheck coming from. So keep it in mind, PI Roofing, 707-3551 or piroofing.com. Traffic and weather right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we continue. 724, Kelly Vallis, our guest, the editor of uh, the American Conservative. She is our special guest today. And Kelly, in some states, for instance, Arkansas, uh, we were not ordered to stay at home. We, they asked us, they said, we'd like you to social distance. We'd like you to do this. We'd like you to do that. If you went out, you wouldn't get stopped or whatever. There were other states, though, that, uh, you know, the... The vanguards of, uh, you know, discipline, the police, uh, were told if you see people driving around, uh, you have the right to, to stop them and to ask them why they're, why they're traveling. Well, traveling is a, a right of, under the Constitution. You have the right. doesn't mean you have the right to drive. You've got to have a license. That's a privilege part of it. But if you were walking down the sidewalk... Nobody should be bothering you about where you're going. So after the pan- this pandemic, COVID-19, is the country going to be more stressful, uh, stressed, uh, not stressed, uh, more uh, wanting to hold on to their rights or less willing to hold on to their rights? I, you know, I think it depends on what the stakes are. And I had a conversation about this earlier in the week because somebody asked me about employers using some sort of contact tracing, you know, uh-huh. some, some kind of screening or certification, like immunity certification, to allow workers to come back. And I think that's where you're going to see um, the, 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 the sort of struggle over individual liberties, because if you're being told you can't come back to work unless you submit some sort of papers or immunization or some proof that you have antibodies and any other, you know, personal health information, most people are going to be like, whatever it takes, man, I'm going back to work. Right. And um, that's that's really that's where that's where the die is going to be cast, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how far employers go. His screen and I mean on one hand you can understand like if you like and some employers are already doing this like if they have delivery people people are going to be coming in contact with food and then peep and then customers they've been sort of like doing temperature checks for example and making sure people aren't coming to work sick I get that you know uh, but how far will it go you know will people mm-hmm. will they be demanding you know certain papers and you know, this governments are grappling with this now. 
You know, there's government. There are governments all over Europe that are considering a sort of passport for which you would go and get your immunity tests to see if you have these antibodies, these COVID antibodies, and then you'd be issued a so-called passport that would allow you to work and would allow you to travel across borders. And that's that's pretty scary, you know, because you, you consider that you're, you're handing the government over your um, personal health information. Next thing you know, they'll be demanding more information. And then that allows mm-hmm. the police or whatever authorities to stop you whenever or wherever and demand your papers. Yeah, uh, I don't I, see anything like that happening on a government scale here yet in the United States, but it's something it's something to be mindful of. They're they're a lot less they're a lot less uh, cognizant and you know of um, respectful of personal liberties and rights as we are here in the United States or in Europe. But uh, you know, you never know what might spill over here. All right, I'm going to ask a short question. I'm going to need a short answer because we're down to to about sixty yeah. seconds, and that's this. Uh, apps that they want to put on phones that let them follow you so that if you happen to get COVID-19, they can they can look and see where you've been. That kind of stuff sends ice water in my veins. Absolutely. And um, you'll be happy to know as of right now, there are no mandatory apps like that in the U.S. The, the app that had been uh, developed by Apple and Google it just was released last week is completely voluntary and it has no G- GPS tracking. So it uses Bluetooth. So um, it cannot pinpoint your, your location or even identify you. And it's not hooked up to any central database which um, people who are a little more uh, interested in, in tracking you are a little disappointed that the app isn't more intrusive. Yeah, I'm right. you're right. Uh, but uh, Google and Apple, were, I, I, I've said this before, we've been a little smarter this time in developing something that's, that's much more um, cognizant of privacy concerns. So, so far, it's completely voluntary, which means it's probably not going to work because most people aren't going to want to download this app. All right. Kelly, let's do this again. We're out of time. TheAmericanConservative.com is the website. Kelly Vallis, the editor, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. It was fun. All right. Kelly will be back in the, in the near future. Right now, though, it's time for Rush Limbaugh. Let's get to Rush here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. I want to tell you, I was just talking to Heidi uh, just during the break, said that uh, they had people uh, calling and asking what's going on about uh, Dave saying COVID-19 uh, morbidity, CDC saying 0.03. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm going back in all of my things that I've been sent by the CDC looking for that. Uh, I just want everybody to know I would never, ever uh, give you wrong uh, numbers on that. If I said 0.03, then the CDC said that. Uh, I do know Fox was using it and CNN used it a couple of times. So bottom line, and I think I can say this without any fear of anybody going, yeah, 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 he's a conservative, yeah, you know, the way that uh, people seem to do, uh, that I can tell you that the uh, how badly or how easily you can uh, uh, contract uh, this uh, this virus and that your chances of dying from it are uh, much higher 
back when they were saying four to six percent uh, is wrong. That is just not right. Uh, they they made those statements off of information that they didn't really even have. They were it, they were ed- educated guesses. If you'll remember, and I want to take you back all the way to the beginning of this, there was a model that they were using, and I think the guy was from England. Uh, don't don't uh, hold me, uh, you know, to that. Uh, but he was from Europe, and he said that we could have 2.2 million Americans dead uh, from COVID-19. And uh, it came out about three uh, weeks, four weeks later that this guy had made a whole lot of different models over the years, and they were always, and I'm, I'm using that word specifically, always wrong. They were always falling on the, the, you know, the black abyss side of the equation. And, uh, you know, this guy now, people aren't even hardly talking to him anymore. So um, his algorithms just are not all that uh, good. So keep that in mind. Uh, so I will, I will get that information. It's kind of hard to go back and read all of this stuff while I'm on the air. So give me time today to, to go over it. And as I find the information that I've been looking, uh, that I've been quoting, I will then give it to you. Uh, to be honest with you, I print very little here at my house. Uh, I read it directly uh, off the, the websites for the CDC, cdc.gov. Uh, and so I'm going to have to go back and just do a lot of digging, and I'll find it for you. But it came out uh, late Tuesday, if I'm correct, uh, when, that, when that came out. But I, I remember it being late Tuesday. It was after uh, the uh, evening news break, which tells me that the CDC didn't want a lot of news coverage because they dropped uh, the mortality uh, rate on this uh, uh, virus uh, incredibly low from what it had been. So we'll, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get it for you because it got my attention. I mean, something like that, if you're really following stuff, you're used to seeing specific numbers, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they drop by, you know, 4%. Uh, that's, you know, when you look at 300 million people uh, or let's say that half of the country was going to be, in, you know, in coming to contact. So you're looking at 150 million people. Uh, just do the math. There's a big difference between 4 percent and 0.03 percent. So I just uh, and that's why I brought it to your attention. All right. Uh, the uh, stock market right now early on is up. So we have to uh, look at uh, what's going on uh, on on there. Uh, Elizabeth is hitting me right now. She wants to start looking, so uh, I'll let her know that this is uh, dealing with the CDC and the 0.03 mortality rate they dropped down to earlier this week. If you get uh, COVID-19, your your chances of dying from it are at 0.03 at this time. So. Just to let you know, I mean, I think that Kelly and I talked about this. We were willing to stay at home, for example, 
because we didn't know what we were dealing with. And so for people to say, public health officials and whatnot, to say to us, hey, let's err on the side of caution. Now, with that said, I don't think it was right for any government entity to say, you must stay home. You cannot leave your house. I don't think they have the constitutional authority to say that. But to give you the information that you need to make a quality decision is what the government should be doing. Uh, They should say, you should, for your own protection, you should self-quarantine. Okay, I'm with that. That's not saying, hey, you will self-quarantine. That's not like what they did in China, some of the people. When they went in and they, uh, uh, they got out and they fused the doors, uh, the metal doors of their apartments so they couldn't get out of their apartments. Uh, things of that nature. Or stopping somebody on the street and arresting them. And those people didn't show back up at home anytime. They're either in a, a, a camp somewhere or they're dead. I mean, those are things you have to watch out for. You may not think that there's anybody in this country in a position of authority that wants to do that. But if you believe that, I will just tell you you're wrong. I mean, you can look at some of the states right now and what the governors have done and what they continue to do. Now, they're not, they're not shooting people. And they're not putting people in, in, uh, in a nameless prison somewhere. But they're reacting in a way that Americans would think are wrong, or at least most Americans. Look, there's some people for security will give up every right that they have. Those are the people Franklin told us about uh, and that we should be wary of. Because he said if somebody who's willing to give up, uh, you know, rights for a little bit of security in the end will have none. I mean, he understood that uh, because, you know, Thomas Jefferson, Franklin, uh, all the founding fathers all believed that the government had one main propensity, and that was to grow, to get more power. Because when you give somebody the power of, of rule, uh, it depends on the character of the individual then. Do they have the character to say, no, I won't do that because, you know, that's not the right thing to do to somebody uh, that has inalienable rights? Or will they say, well, doggone it, I'm the mayor, I'm the, I'm the governor, I'm the president. And this is the, I'm a senator, I'm a congressman, this is the way we're going to do these things. And I demand that you follow those things. And I'm, I, I never react well to people who say you must, have never referred to that, because it's my life. Uh, there shouldn't be a, you must do this when it comes down to rights. Uh, as far as that. Now, privileges, there's there's things that you can do. Rights, uh-uh. Rights are rights. And the only, but the only way a right stays in vogue, so to speak, or in power, is that you will not allow anyone in any position to take your rights away from you. And understand, you give up a right, getting it back is almost impossible. Almost impossible. Go to any totalitarian uh, country, uh, 
and look at the people who gave up uh, some rights and they could never get them back. I think they'd be the first people that would tell you all of this kind of stuff that they wouldn't. I mean, there's there's things about, you know, we have the right to go out and, and protest and to march. And I, I don't see anywhere in my Constitution says I got to stop by the mayor's office or the governor's office or whatever and ask for that right to be able to march. And that I got to have a permit to uh, to march. Uh, seems to me that in the, the first uh, amendment of the uh, Constitution, it says that you have the right to peacefully assemble. Now, if you start rioting, all bets are off. Not doing anything other than walking up a street somewhere. Uh, you have the right to do that. And then uh, move out of the way, let traffic go by and things of that nature. Just, just some thoughts for me. That you should never give up. Never give up any of your rights. All right, got to get a break in. Final break of the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, don't forget, at 8.35, Stan Vuger is going to be on with us. And when we talk to Stan, we're going to talk about voting by mail. I keep bringing this up to you because there's people going to make the, uh, the, the argument that, oh, if we make it so much easier, uh, more people will do it. That is a specious argument. It has no, no uh, foundation, I'm just telling you. We'll talk about that at 835. But when we come back, uh, uh, hopefully uh, uh, we'll have some of the uh, news that's going on today. Talk a little bit about SpaceX going up on Saturday as well. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, don't forget, we got your traffic and weather. Let's get to that and uh, bring it to you right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's not forget what uh, David Lucas is also saying, and that is, uh, what would you do uh, if you had an extra $287,000 in change uh, in retirement? You'd probably be pretty happy, wouldn't you? I mean, $287,000 is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Well, that's how much a little rock couple could save in taxes uh, with their IRA and 401K. And uh, that's thanks to the tax planning strategies from David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. Learn exactly how much money you could save with a free retirement tax analysis. If you've saved more than $250,000, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. Do you have an IRA or a 401k? Most of you, the greatest majority of you do. Learn how much money in taxes you could save by calling 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, so keep that in mind uh, because... Taxes right now are at their lowest rate than they've ever been, I believe. I think that historically we're at the lowest rate. That means the only way that they have to go is up. And what will that mean for your investments, like for a 401k where uh, you didn't pay any taxes on that money you've put away to uh, make money uh, for you, and then you start drawing that money how much, uh, you know, how much will you lose because 
uh, where taxes used to be 0%, they're now, let's say, you know, 10 years from now, uh, they're 3%. Be a huge loss on your part. So you need to prepare uh, for that. I would suggest that you really do uh, prepare for that. All right, get to get back to the article that I wanted to talk about. And uh, I was in another spot so now i'm making my way over back to the article because you know i've been talking about china for some weeks now uh we've we've uh, played uh secretary of state's article pompeo uh talking about uh their whole thing dealing uh with uh with china we've talked about the thousand talents uh, program. We've talked about the Confucius Institutes that we have one on UCA right now. And uh, uh, we're getting ready to hit them with a Freedom of Information Act to find out more information on them because uh, it is a, it's a, a straight uh, segment off the arm of the Communist China uh, Party. Well, today, uh, Secretary Pompeo is reportedly uh, going to take action to expel Chinese graduate students over national security concerns. The initiative has been in the works for several months, but it's got new life now after China imposed these national security restrictions on Hong Kong. Uh, This is a story not from some uh, conservative bastion like Fox News. Uh, This is from the New York Times. So all you lefties, relax. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo claimed China's disastrous decision undermines Hong Kong's autonomy and freedoms and China's own promises to the Hong Kong uh, people. Remember, I think it was, was it 1997 that, uh, you know, the British turned over Hong Kong uh, to the Chinese. Part of the agreement that was signed, part of the law, was that you'd have one country, but you would have two sets of laws. You'd have uh, the communist Chinese, which I think was a, a serious uh, mistake on the part of the UK to even let the, the communists get a foothold that way uh, to, to bring some of their uh, uh, you know governmental decisions and then uh, what was going on in Hong Kong at that time uh, keeping you know the the whole side of of capitalism and all the rest well that's being eroded now quickly and uh, this is a Uh, Evidently something that we're doing from our side to let the Chinese know that we're not happy. Pompeo reportedly discussed the visa cancellations with White House officials on this Tuesday. Uh, The move is estimated to result in the expulsion of at least 3,000 students, all with reported direct ties to the Communist Party of China. In total, there are roughly... 360,000 Chinese students enrolled in the American university system. So this is less than 10%. But these are the ones that we got to keep a real eye on. Uh, they have direct ties to the Communist Party of China, which means uh, they may be being used as agents uh, to report back to the uh, Communist Party of China. A senior State Department official declined to comment directly on the details, 
of uh, the New York Times reporting, but added the decision is up to the White House at this point. Congressional lawmakers, by the way, have also crafted legislation that would block Chinese graduate or postgraduate students from receiving visas to study uh, study in uh, America's science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM programs. Uh, Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas and Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee announced the Secure Campus Act yesterday. The uh, Chinese uh, Communist Party has long used American universities to conduct espionage on the United States. This is not they might be doing it. This is a complete we know that they're doing it. Uh, That's why the guy up in the U of A was arrested. That's why the guy out at Harvard was arrested. They were getting direct money from the Communist Party of China. And uh, they were stealing intellectual property. Now, allegedly, they have their day in court. They're, they're, they're uh, of course, innocent until proven guilty. But uh, I got to believe that the, uh, the government has crossed their T's and dotted their I's on this. Cotton said of the bill, it's time for that to end, for them to be able to exploit uh, these gaps in the current law here in the United States. The Secure Campus Act will protect our national security, maintain the integrity of the American research enterprise. Beijing exploits students and research visas to steal science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing secrets from U.S. academic and research institutions, according to Marsha Blackburn. We fed China's innovation drought with American ingenuity and taxpayer dollars for too long, And it's time to secure the U.S. research enterprise against the CCP's economic espionage. Republican Tennessee Representative David Custoff is expected to enter companion legislation in the House. The White House and National Security Council did not immediately respond uh, to requests for comment on uh, the report. Expect that you're going to hear more about it here in the the next uh, few uh, weeks. Uh, we're going to start cracking down on this stuff, and we have to crack down. Look, we know that uh, uh, espionage has been going on uh, as far as these universities and companies that are trying to develop these vaccines for COVID-19 because the, China, the Chinese would like nothing better to be able to say, hey, look, we came up with the, uh, uh, the vaccine to stop this pandemic. Well, I'll tell you, uh, there's a lot of politics going on, a lot of espionage going on, and uh, I'll keep bringing you those stories here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 20 minutes, or 20, yeah, 20, uh, we got uh, 10 seconds. Well, I got 10 seconds to get to my break, so let me do that. We got more coming your way, especially talking about voting by mail on the Dave Ellswick Show in the next hour.
All right, we continue here on the uh, Dave Elsick Show. Final hour, and I I, I did some different uh, uh, research. My Alexa's going crazy right now, Heidi. It's it's talking gibberish at me. Uh, so anyway, that's what you heard me. Uh, Heidi was saying, we're coming back, Dave, because she could hear me talking. Probably couldn't understand what I was saying, but I was yelling at my Alexa to shut up. <laughs> Last thing you want to hear is my Alexa in the background. All right. So I'm looking here at uh, a story that came out on the 27th. Now, if I'm correct, that was Tuesday. All right. And I said that this information by the CDC came out Tuesday. Well, this comes from BuzzFeed. Now, BuzzFeed, as I like to say, is is not to hear. It, it is not to be taken as a conservative news site. It's a very left-leaning uh, news site. And in their own story, let me read to you what they say. And uh, for the people who are saying that they're going on and saying 0.03 uh, mortality rate uh, on, online and, and, and again are getting attacked, Online saying, Ellswick's wrong. He's lying to you. Well, no, I'm not lying to you. Let me read directly from Buzzfeed here. In addition to providing various rates of hospitalizations and infections, the CDC gave new estimates of the total fatality rate of the virus. And those uh, estimates, and they do several, ranged from 0.1%. All right, its least deadly scenario to 0.8%, its deadliest scenario. The agency also cited their best estimate. Now, what did I say? 0.3, right? 0.26%, which is even less than the the 0.3% that I was saying. Now, it's possible that the person reporting from the CDC just to round it up and put it at 0.3%. I don't know. But the bottom line is that this uh, disease is much less uh, uh, fatal than at first we thought it was. Now, while no one yet... Now, here's the left-leaning writing that you get, all right? While no one yet knows the coronavirus's actual death rate... Okay. Uh, The agency's range of possible rates seemed alarmingly low to some other epidemiologists compared to existing data in places both inside and outside the U.S. For instance, estimates of New York City's total death rate were 0.86% to 0.93%. All right. I'll agree. That's a little bit higher. But here's what I'll also say about that. That's significantly lower than the 4 to 6% that they were talking about at the beginning. This is a lot less than what it was initially said it was going to be. That's my main point here. Many of you are afraid that you're going to go outside and you have a 4 to 6% of getting the COVID-19 uh, virus and dying from it. Nope. Got less than a 1% chance. Does that make you happy if you're a left-leaning, you know, I'll fall on my sword person? 
Less than 1%. Uh, that's higher than the CDC's worst case scenario. Estimates from like Spain and Italy, which is apples and oranges, because let's face something Spain and Italy's uh, medical uh, situation is not as good as what it is here in the United States. So it's apples and oranges. People may be dying because the people in the doctors and uh, uh, Italian doctors in uh, Italy and the, and the Spaniards in Spain don't have the same kind of way of treating the COVID-19. They say that they have a 1.1 to 1.3%. That's still significantly lower than what everybody was saying at the beginning when they locked up, they were locking people down and still have people locked down in some countries and in some states. Researchers, they say, of course we don't know who these researchers are, are saying the CDC's lack of transparency about its data sources. Uh, they say they've, uh, they've disclosed almost nothing about its numbers, uh, citing only the data and a preprint, a study that has not been peer-reviewed, and some, uh, some of the stuff that they have used come from scientists even in Iran. Uh, you people on the left, you trust Iran, don't you? I mean, you've always said you did. So it's, a, it's just crazy stuff uh, uh, on this. But the bottom line is whether you believe uh, in the number that I gave you of uh, point. Zero three, or you know, or you believe uh, the CDC's best case, which is zero point two six, or you believe New York's worst case, which is point nine three. They're all under one percent. Your chances of dying from the COVID nineteen virus, if you get it, is less. Then in most, uh, if you look at all these cases, less than 1%. And in the worst case scenario, uh, just a smidge over 1%. And that's in Spain or Italy, where they were piling bodies up because they didn't know how to deal with it. And they didn't have the equipment and they didn't have the necessary, uh, you know, uh, uh, medicines to give their people. So all of you who've been uh, been lambasted by the people on the left, I'm going to post this article for you. Now, I will tell you, the people on the left will not grab a hold of the particular numbers here. They'll grab hold of uh, the whole thing of the conspiracy of saying the government's hiding it from you. They're not telling you the truth. The CDC is giving you the truth as they know it, as New York is and everybody else. And all of them are below 1%. Let me repeat that to you. Below 1%. You go in and just, do, just sit down today on Google and uh, see how many uh, deaths in the United States from all kinds of other uh, diseases, medical problems, uh, drowning in swimming pools, and whatnot, when you break it down uh, per capita what the uh, percentage is, find out how many of them are bigger than uh, what's in the, uh, 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 the, uh, the COVID-19, and think about that you do them every day, and don't think anything about it. 
I'm not saying don't take, uh, you know, you know, don't wear a mask. I'm not saying that. If you feel better wearing a mask, wear a mask. Uh, if you're like me and I'm not w- willing to go get in a big, big crowd yet because I got type 2 diabetes, I have a heart condition, I'm 67, uh, I'll do that. But that doesn't mean that if you're in good health and you're 35, that you shouldn't do it. Because I want you to know that your chances of dying from COVID-19, now you might get COVID-19, don't get me wrong. And you might uh, suffer some, uh, you know, might get ill. You may run a high fever. You might get nauseous. You may have vomiting. You might have different things that you get with a COVID uh, virus. Uh, But as far as death goes, uh, your chances are not great. Again, they're not great. All right, it's Dave Ellswick Show. It's a quarter after eight. Traffic and weather, we'll get to that. Don't forget, at 835, uh, Stan uh, Volger is going to be with us. We're going to talk about voting by mail and why that, you know, Pelosi wants to do this. Uh, understand that it is not a good idea. We'll talk about it at 835 right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 19 after 8, Dave Ellswick with you. I just wanted to get in there and and talk about this because uh, I have always uh, held to the fact, and and this goes back because the way I got into broadcasting was in news, and I made sure my facts were right. I didn't try to mislead people or anything. I told the story. I told it with the facts that I was given and that I was able to secure. And then I shared it with the listeners. And uh, I've done that even in in opinion-driven talk, which is what I'm in now. I always tell you this is not per se a news show. I use news. I report and give opinion on news stories. I use what I have learned over the many years that I have been involved in politics and in news covering politics to uh, and uh, different things that I've lived through to uh, perhaps give you a different view of what people are saying. Because uh, some, some of the people that are reporting today, they report on Watergate and make mentions of Watergate, but they don't have a, 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 a real good idea of what Watergate really was about because all they know is what they may have read from what few authors they've read. Well, I lived through Watergate. I reported on Watergate. I was, you know, very closely related, best way to put it, into Watergate. It's like the O.J. Simpson trial. As far as that's go, you, you want to talk about, the, uh, for instance, the Cambodian boat lift. Some people don't even know what I'm talking about, about when I talk about that and about Vietnam and what happened with the Cambodian uh, boat lift and people coming to the United States uh, holding on uh, to uh, an inflated inner tube and floating from uh, Cambodia out into a safe spot in the ocean and uh, a, a Navy ship picking them up. Uh, I was on Guam when those people came through Guam 
which was the main entry point to the United States. They came to Anderson Air Force Base. I talked to those people. I interviewed those people. I covered those people. I can tell you a whole lot more about the Cambodian boat lift than a lot of authors can. And I can tell you the killing fields in that area and how many people were being slaughtered by Pol Pot, who was uh, in control at that time. I can tell you the reality of what a communist regime does. So all of you lefties out there that say, oh, well, you know, they just didn't do it right. No, they did it exactly the way that they were supposed to do it. If you stood in their way, the government controlled things. And if you stood in, your, in their way and you wouldn't get out of the way, they rolled over you. I mean, just take a few minutes and read about what the communists do. It's sad. I mean, absolutely sad. All right, so I sent that article off uh, to uh, uh, Elizabeth uh, for you. So uh, you'll be able to get that on the Dave Ellswick Show Facebook page, facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. And by the way, I'll be back in the studio starting Monday. Uh, I've decided I'll come back in on Monday uh, and uh, be doing my show from uh, that time forward. Uh, So the Bible guys will be back on. I've already talked to them. Uh, I, I talked to Elizabeth. Looks like she's coming in on Tuesday. She'll be there. I will uh, get in there early, wipe the whole place down with Clorox uh, wipes that I have, and uh, make sure uh, you know all the the microphones have been wiped down and the buttons have been wiped down and my computer has been wiped down. And uh, you know we'll sit in there and I think that we'll be we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be safe. As far as the uh, uh, COVID-19 virus goes. So anyway, I feel better now after saying that because, you know, Heidi said that she got a call and it was from a lady that said she was using the 0.03 percent and uh, mortality rate. And people, that's not right. Dave Ellswick's telling you a lie. No, I'm not telling you a lie. I just read it to you. I gave you those figures that the CDC had Tuesday. I've given, I've given them to you. Now, whether you want to believe them or not, that's up to you. But I'm giving you what the CDC said. And that's going to be on my Facebook page. And I'm even using, uh, using uh, those figures as BuzzFeed uh, re, you know, is uh, reporting them. I'll, I'll go and continue to look and find the, the exact CDC report so that you can read it if you'll take the time to read it. There's a lot of people who don't take time to read anything. They just believe, they feel that this is the way things are. And because they feel, of course, it makes it so. It is not that way. There are facts that are out there for you to look at. Now, whether you want to accept the facts is a different story. That's up to you. I mean, you can get the facts and then go say, well, the government lies to everybody. And just, you know, say you're not going to have you're not going to believe any facts whatsoever. But I'm purpose, I'm purposefully using BuzzFeed because they're such a left leaning organization. And when the left leaning organizations that are reporting 
are uh, validating what I'm saying and that you people won't believe at times because I'm right-leaning and uh, I'm a conservative and I'm a Christian on top of that, which really bothers you. Uh, you know, there's there's the bottom uh, bottom part of this. I mean, it's a whole that's the whole story for you to con- to to remember. All right, remember I said 835 Stan uh, Vuger, I think is how he pronounces his name. I'll ask Heidi to ask him to pronounce his last name before I bring him on. Has written a, a story for American uh, the American Enterprise Institute, who I have high regard for. Uh, talking about voting by mail, why it's not a good idea. We're going to talk about that uh, on on the Dave Ellswick Show. Going through my uh, websites, looking at what the number one story is right now, it is what's happening in Minneapolis. And uh, they need some kind of uh, quickly uh, investigation into this and, and, and get, get what's uh, going down here. I mean, if this guy uh, that the police took in, okay, what do we got? The mayor of Minneapolis has asked the National Guard to step in to help keep the peace. Uh, They woke up Thursday morning, the fire still burning, smoke hanging in the air after a second night of violent protests over the death of a black man in police custody uh, turned deadly overnight. A man was found dead Wednesday night on a sidewalk. Police who responded to the area of Bloomington and Lake Street at 925 said the initial call was a reported stabbing, but the wound turned out to be from a gunshot. The man who was not or has not yet been identified pronounced dead at a local hospital. So we don't know, you know, was that some kind of retaliation uh, for this gentleman being killed by uh, what looks like the Minneapolis Police Department or... Is it uh, was this guy killed in a gang related incident? Uh, was he out selling drugs or, you know, we just don't know. So, uh, you know, we got to wait to find out why that happened in the. They're saying that uh, it looks like the man may have been the owner of a pawn shop and had opened fire on a man. This just coming out had opened fire on a man he believed was burglarizing his business, and uh, evidently he was shot. And they've got a 59-year-old man now in custody in connection to that fatal shooting, but the details of the, ca- of the case were still being sorted out, according to the police spokesman at the time. Hey, I'm going to have uh, Sean Hannity here in, in just over a minute. And I want to remind you that when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, uh, voting by mail, why that perhaps is not the best uh, idea. Uh, We've got some different uh, stories now. Articles about the CDC stat are pointing to a May 27th CDC report. Ta-da! There we go. And then Reason Magazine has also... Uh, the CDC's new best estimate implies a COVID-19 rate uh, below 0.3. All right, so I've done my diligence, and, you know, I'm amazed. And thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth has been working hard uh, to get this information, too. She had seen it before as well. So uh, I just wanted to make, you sure, uh, make sure that you understand I would never mislead you on something like this 
I'm going to give you the information as I have it, as I know it, and bring it to you uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, Sean Hannity joins us, and then I'll be back for the final segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you again, uh, going back to uh, the COVID-19 story and the, and the numbers I've been given to you and people questioning because my numbers are lower than what they've heard. Well, I got them from the CDC, man. I, I got the article. We've got it now. And we're going to post the, the, what the CDC is saying. It's point, you know, in their best scenario, it's 0.03 mortality rate. That's a whole lot better than the 4 to 6% that they were saying initially. So uh, you don't have to walk in fear. That's, that was my main reason for sharing that with you. But a lot of people attacking people using the 0.03 number. And the highest number that we've got comes from New York, and that's a, a 0.87. All right? And it's still under 1%. Understand that. It's under 1% if you get COVID-19 that you're going to die from it. There you go. All right, Stan Vogler is going to be with us. Uh, we're going to talk. He's from. He wrote an article for uh, uh, the American Enterprise Institute, and I have high regard for them. And uh, he he talked about voting by mail, and it just so happened as I was talking to him, I asked him if he knew Lars, and he says, "Yeah, I've been on his show," and I was telling him that you know Lars was on my show on Tuesday. Uh, we were talking about the lady out there that was being. Uh, hassled by the governor because she opened her her business up too soon. But we got into talking about voting by mail, and he said it hadn't had any effect at all. And he said that's the number one argument the people that push voting by mail uses, is that more people will get involved. And even you have found that out, Stan. Not true, right? That's right, especially in Oregon. It's, it's, it's clearer than anywhere else if you just look at the the share of the voting population that votes over time, it's, it, the trend is, is completely flat around 2000 when they introduced voting by mail. So it's, it's just the same people voting, I think, in a different way. Okay, so no, no big deal as far as this is concerned. Uh, why does the left, and maybe it's not vote by mail, but harvesting uh, these votes, that's a more important issue. But uh, why is the left so you know, set on, you know, voting by mail. Why is it so important that voting has to be, you know, like uh, just getting out of bed in the morning? Well, I think it's become such an issue now because of the the public health threat, right, and concerns that in November uh, there would be a a resurgence of of the COVID disease and people will be worried about going to vote in person. We, we saw that in Wisconsin, of course, uh, uh, around the time of the primary, that they were really at the, at the height of the crisis, and, and they weren't prepared for people to request absentee ballots uh, in the numbers that they did. And so I think that's why it's come up now. Voting by mail, as I think Lars would agree, hasn't been really a partisan issue. It's very different in that way from automatic voter registration or, or voter ID law. The, the voting by mail exists in some states that are very conservative, including Utah. Uh, Arizona does does a fair bit of it too, um, and so I, I think the, the current interest is driven by the by the epidemic. Now, of course, the epidemic so far has hit high density areas more than than rural areas, right? And so I think right. that that is what has introduced the partisan ingredient uh, that, that I think Democrats worry that their voters will be 
uh, more afraid about voting in the fall, and Republicans uh, are confident that their voters will be able to vote without without trouble. Of course, in Wisconsin, it worked out the exact other way around. And, and in fact, the Democrats, <laughs> I think, got a surprise win. So who knows? You know, Forecasting is extremely difficult, especially yeah. uh, about the future. <laughs> it's really weird, you know, Stan. Why would a conservative state, because, you know, I worry about the, the easier you make it to vote. For instance, you go to the polls, at least here in Arkansas and in, in Indiana, where I've Live most of my life, plus some time in Texas and a few other states. But the bottom line is they ask you to show your driver's license to prove you are who you say you are. And then they give you a ballot and you go and you vote. Uh, how do you know that the person's signature on a ballot is a true signature? Yeah. So the way the states that have voting by mail do this is they have signatures on file and they compare them. Right. So that's really the, the core of the of the security mechanism. Now, I think an important reason why some very conservative states have adopted voting by mail is, among other things, that it's just it's cheaper to administer. Right? Because you don't need as many uh, in-person locations. Instead, you just have people collecting uh, these ballots. You don't need all the all the electronic machinery that that in-person voting states have. Uh, and you can guarantee people they won't have to stand in line for hours, which which does happen in in some parts of the country. So I think those would be those would be the reasons why uh, why more conservative states uh, are 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 happy to to adopt voting by mail, or, or at least in the past have been happy to, to adopt now, voting by mail procedures. Well, this is one conservative that doesn't buy that, <laughs> just for the simple reason that. You know, back in the day when I first started voting, it was all done by paper ballots. And I remember stuff in the ballot box. I grew up outside of Chicago. I know dead people that voted. But the bottom line is that uh, it was paper ballots led to being able to, to cheat. And I, I got to think, here. then we went to the machines to try to stop that and went to computer machines even more recently to stop it. And now it looks like with... You know, voting by mail. Now we're stepping back. We've made a full circle again. Am I, am I missing yeah. something here? Well, yeah. So we've seen over the last few years that a lot of the, you know, election security experts, they like having at least paper records, if not paper ballots, right? So you can do a recount. Right. Uh, if something goes wrong with the machines or if the result is close. Uh, I agree with you that we've come full circle. And it, it does suggest that there's, there's just no perfect way to do it. Uh, I think every method has its pros and cons. I think if you're if you're very worried about a public health crisis, then it makes sense to let more people vote absentee. I think that's really the the the, the adjustment we're thinking about here. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I agree with you that obviously there are intrinsic risks to using paper ballots instead of machines, and there are certainly intrinsic risks to having people fill out their ballots outside. The voting station, right, which is what happens in, in a system of voting by mail, because it's much easier to exert coercion when someone can fill out the ballot without the supervision and the sort of privacy guaranteed by an in-person voting station. And so I agree that there are obvious downsides. I do think that being a little more generous with absentee voting, like, for example, Virginia uh, is doing now, is reasonable when, when people are worried about going to a, a crowded polling place. You know, as, as you've looked at this, 
which way do you think that the country is going to move? I mean, you you probably have read numerous articles, talked to numerous people, and uh, you can get a feel for which way we're kind of uh, leaning. Uh, are we leaning towards more voting by mail, or is there, like from a person like me, more pushback against it? Or is it different in different areas of the country? So we've seen we've seen a bit of a shift toward voting by mail. So Oregon, which we talked about earlier, was the first state to really fully switch in 2000. We're now at five states. It's mostly in the West. Uh, I, I think maybe part of it may be distances you know, and how far people have to drive to get to a phone station. Um, part of it may also just be that some of those states have more of a tradition of this kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, progressive governance reform, for lack of a better word. Um, I think in the near future, we'll see states loosen up their, their absentee ballot requirements, uh, you know, basically to go to, to no excuse absentee ballot voting, where you still have to request the ballot, right, which I think addresses concerns people have about ballots getting sent to voters that are dead or no longer live in the state. Uh, so I think we'll see some of that. And I imagine that uh, Democrats in Congress will, will, will try to provide the states with funding to, to pay for uh, the, the additional cost of, uh, of now suddenly switching to more absentee ballot voting. So I think we'll see a bit of a switch. In fact, as I said, for example, in Virginia, we've already seen a bit of a switch. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm not against, uh, you know, changing, uh, you know, for good reasons. And, uh, for instance, here in Arkansas, something new that we're trying to do is to uh, computerize our voting log. In other words, when you register to vote, you're in a book, uh, but you're also going to be on a computer. And that's good in that if you go to the wrong polling place, and they don't have the book that your name's in because it says here at the, you know, precinct 35, uh, you're supposed to vote, but you show up at 38. They can still go online and look at a, a computerized version and they can see that you're registered to vote. Now, I see that as a good thing, but uh, I, I'm not yeah, I'm just listening to you. I'm not sold on this mail by, uh, you know, voting by mail. I'm just not sold on it. I've seen too many stuff ballot boxes. I've seen too many ballot boxes that show up two days later and they say, oh, it was in the back room. <laughs> and everybody you, you forgot remember, about it. A lot of places use paper ballots even now. That is yeah. there. That's not really a, a, a concern. I, I mean, I don't know. I think the... I, it, the chaos in, in Wisconsin really changed my mind on this, and I, I think that's something we we really want to avoid in a in a presidential election. Red is one thing for a Wisconsin Supreme Court election to, to yeah. end up in chaos. Like you know, what what do you and I care? You know, <laughs> but, right? But for a presidential election, I think that's really something we we want to avoid. Yeah, it's uh, totally different when you talk about that. If people want to read your article, Stan, uh, is it AEI.com that they would go to? Dot org. Dot org. All right, AEI.org. Look for Stan's article and read it. It's well worth your time. Uh, it'll help get yourself, you know, uh, educated about this because sooner or later I think it's going to come to our state here in Arkansas or any state across the, the United States. Stan, thanks for your time. I appreciate you joining us this early on a, uh, a Thursday morning. Appreciate you, brother. For sure.
Thank All you right, have a good on. one now. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to let Stan get out of here. I'm going to take a final break, and then I'll come back and finish up for uh, today's edition of the Dave Ellswick Show, the Thursday edition. It's been a good edition, a lot of interesting things to discuss. And uh, if you go to my uh, uh, Facebook page, the Dave Ellswick Show, facebook.com slash the Dave Ellswick Show, that CDC report is now there and available to you. So if you've been attacked by somebody saying that's all uh, bullpucky, you go ahead and send it. All right, put it up on, take it from my site and put it on your Facebook and say, uh, I think not. All right, Dave Ellswick Show, final segment coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so I just got some information, and I want to share it with you because I've been talking about Disney World, and I've been talking about SeaWorld and Universal Studios, and they're all opening up. Uh, I think Universal Studios is in June. Uh, Disney World and uh, is opening the Magic Kingdom and the Animal Park up uh, in the uh, beginning of July. SeaWorld is looking at middle of July. So you got all those big uh, names opening. But what about here locally? Well, Magic Springs will reopen June the 1st. That is the word uh, that I have uh, uh, that they are opening uh, taking a look at, at this, uh, the Splash Zone reopened in Jacksonville on uh, uh, Saturday. So they're, they're all open now. Uh, and Diane Novotny, the aquatic manager for the city of Jacksonville, said they've been working hard to prepare for their big day. The Splash Zone will be operating at 50% capacity. That's 150 guests max. They've spread apart their chairs six feet, and they also have six-foot markers on the ground where all the lines are, so families are allowed to stay together. So you got all of that. I will see if I can get somebody on for Magic Springs tomorrow morning early uh, so you can hear from them about their uh, reopening coming up in June. Magic Springs uh, got their detailed plan to reopen approved by the governor's uh, office as well. Uh, they uh, Both the theme park and the water park reopens effective Monday. That's June 1st. Uh, Director of Sales and Marketing Michael uh, Wampler, who I'll try to get on tomorrow, says they'd love to reopen for Memorial Day. They, this is a story that's a little bit old, but their operation takes a lot more preparation. Says you want to be open, you want to have guests, you, you live for those days with watching families walk through the park. He said, unfortunately, to be safe and prepared for all the visitors that we anticipate, we did acquire or require additional time. So I'm going to let let you know that we're uh, looking at, uh, at what they're going to do and try to get them on to talk about it. And uh, what are the sanitizing and cleaning measures are going to do throughout the park? All 550 of their employees will receive the highest level of certification and training, he says. Uh, at the indoor restaurants, masks will be required in order to adhere to social distancing guidelines. He says guests can expect to see appearances of longer lines, and they encourage guests to bring in as many or as few items, pardon me, as few items as uh 
possible and buy tickets in advance online. So I'll see if Michael can join us tomorrow and we can talk to it. Be listening to the show throughout the day. I, we, we play a, pro, a promo for me every day uh, that airs during Rush's show and uh, throughout the day during Sean and, and Gallagher uh, saying what I've got coming up. And as soon as I can add him in, I will add him in. So that's where we're at uh, right now. Uh, as far as uh, uh, my show is concerned. We're going to shoot for him uh, and see if we can do it. I'll have to get a hold of uh, uh, the um, uh, person who handles him, Lynn Dyer does, uh, for uh, uh, the the answer, and she'll give him a call and see if he'll join me tomorrow if he doesn't mind prying himself out of bed early, like at 6.35 in the morning, to talk to me. And I think probably... uh, he, he won't. But anyway, masks will be required in the Magic Springs restaurant. So with that in mind now, i got to find out if that means the workers or if that means everybody. So uh, that's why we got to get Michael on, Wampler, and talk to him about it. He, he's a great guest. I love having Michael on, and uh, we would have had him on by now already uh, to talk about Magic Springs. Also tomorrow, Matt Smith is going to be with us at 8.30. Uh, he's going to talk about where we are as far as the movie theaters go. And uh, is there any time in the near future that we'll see some new product coming out of Hollywood? I mean, there were some movies that were done and were on the uh, the docket for being released. Uh, will we see some of uh, those released in the theater soon? I saw that that new one from Disney... Uh, about the kid uh, is supposed to uh, be uh, streamed on Disney Plus. So I uh, had to find out if that was pulled from the theaters or, or, or not. Uh, also tomorrow, uh, as always, for uh, an hour and a half, we'll have Robert Steinbach and, and uh, Chris Corbett on. Uh, our, both of them are legal beagles. Uh, Robert, of course, is a legal professor, law professor over at uh, the wonderful world of, uh, of uh, the Bowen School of Law. And his opinions will be his and his alone, but they're typically good ones. So he'll uh, give you some ideas about what's going on. Uh, I've got uh, interviews over the phone today, not interviews, but discussions over the phone uh, with some folks from the uh, uh, city council who are not happy with the mayor trying to set things up to get them on to talk about what they're concerned about. I can tell you Monday, got a great guest coming on Monday. Alice Stewart's going to be here on Monday, going to have her on. I look forward to seeing and talking to her, not seeing her, but talking to her again uh, from Washington, D.C. On uh, Tuesday, Elizabeth will be with me and will probably be back in the studio. Uh, also with us, the Bible guys, they have all said they will be in the studio. And by phone uh, from Washington, D.C., we'll talk to uh, Senator John Bozeman. So that's on Tuesday. So we got a lot of things in the mix right now that we're working on. We're always looking ahead, two, three days ahead, uh, to get our, uh, our interview set up and keep you uh, up to date on what's going on. Uh, to be honest, see, that, that, that's the thing. We try to get people on that can give you the information you need to, you, know, you need to know. And it, it, it disturbs me when people start literally saying that I'm a liar uh, when I talk about 
something that comes from a government agency and I, I give you the information on it. And they said, he didn't get that from the CDC. Well, I did. And the article now is up on my Facebook page. So um, you may feel that I lied to you. And I can't change that, and I won't even try to change it other than to keep on doing what I do, which is present the facts, and then you make the uh, uh, determination whether you want to accept them or not. Uh, And at that part, that's willful ignorance as far as I'm concerned. But uh, we'll continue to, uh, to present the facts to you and let you hear the facts here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So for all of you who have been attacked, on Facebook because you stated that I said 0.03% fatality rate from COVID-19. That's what it is. That's what the CDC says it is. And even the ones that are even more uh, useful as far as the, the left is used, they're saying it's under 1%. It was 4 to 6%. Remember. All right, I'm done. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Follow the truth. We do to try that here on the Dave Ellswick Show.